Joining us today is Paul Carnine. He's president of products for Vera Software. He's going to talk about a very exciting new application called ScreenFlow. And uh, what I think will be a, a revolution in desktop uh, podcast production or screencasting as they're calling it. Paul, are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, welcome and thank you very much for taking time to join us today. Uh, I'm going to go, go ahead and uh, turn it over to you and uh, you can run us through the presentation. And then when you get to the end, uh, just turn it back and we'll uh, address the questions that the audience members have submitted to us. Fair enough? Excellent. Thanks for, having, thanks for having me on uh, today. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, demonstrate our software and talk a little bit about Vara software. Uh, on the agenda today, we're going to have uh, a brief introduction. <clears throat> going to talk about uh, Vara software, uh, then talk about what screencasting is and who is screencasting today and why they are screencasting and how people are screencasting today, how they're creating screencasts. And then I'll talk about what ScreenFlow is and how it's different. And then there'll be a pretty lengthy demonstration um, that will be a movie that'll be run. And then I'll open it up for question and answer. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. <clears throat> Vara Software was founded in 2004. We're based in London, England. And the founders and uh, folk who work at the company have extensive background in digital media. We've been working in the digital media industry um, for over 15 years. Um, my background actually, uh, personally, I'm one of the um, founders, and my background actually comes all the way from <clears throat> uh, university when I was working on Department of Defense research projects in vision research. So I've been doing this stuff for quite a long time, as well as the other co-founder and the other developers at the company. We write three products, obviously fo focused on digital media, um, ScreenFlow, which we'll be talking about today, um, Wirecast, which is a TV studio for your Macintosh. You can plug in multiple cameras, you can plug in uh, multiple microphones, and it basically turns your Macintosh into a TV studio. And VideoQ, our third product, is a um, teleprompting system. So you type in the text you want to speak and then start recording, and this, the text will flow by. And as it flows by, you read it, and a video is created of you reading your text. So as you can see, all of these products are very focused on digital media. We're an extremely small team, and the way that we're able to create all of the software is because we try and use all of the cutting-edge Macintosh uh, technologies and development tools. So, for example, ScreenFlow is written only for Leopard because it takes advantage and leverages all of the Leopard uh, features, um, all of the major Leopard features. <clears throat> Next page, please. So what is screencasting? Um, basically, uh, screencasting is recording your computer screen. So recording everything that's going on in your computer screen, um, including uh, window movements and um, perhaps movies that you might be playing and other things. Why do people want to do screencasting in general? Well, it's a great communication tool. Um, a lot of times when you're trying to describe something that's happening with a computer, either through words or through text, it becomes very, very difficult um, to describe what's going on. But in a very short movie, you can make it very clear what an issue might be or what a feature request might be or how to explain how to do a particularly difficult uh, problem, for example, in the educational space. 
and it removes ambiguity about how to perform various tasks. Next slide, please. So who's screencasting today? Um, there are a whole gamut of folk that are doing it. Um, business folk are doing it to help with sales and to help with support. Uh, for example, uh, we often create very, very short um, screencasts to send to people um, to describe a particular feature or to help uh, show them how to use a certain feature. And a lot of times also when someone's uh, giving us a bug report or uh, a feature request, they'll send in a screencast and say, I want it to do this or I want it to do that. <clears throat> Apple's also adding a whole bunch of screen-based content, um, which shows off the various products as well, as both software and hardware products. A lot of educators are using uh, screencasting tools because it becomes a way that you can show any application that's, that's on, your, on your desktop. So if you've got a physics um, uh, emulator or a chemistry um, emulator or anything along those lines that's on your Macintosh, you can record exactly what's going on. And oftentimes you can record your voice as well as a, a, a video of you at the same time. So educators using it for training, uh, for help desks. Uh, for example, if um, at a university or a school someone calls in and says, I'm having trouble using this particular piece of software, um, oftentimes you might have a set of screencasts, and you can say, oh, go look at this particular screencast, and that then solves the, the issue. And the more more used, uh, or something that's being used more and more is to be able to capture and narrate keynote or PowerPoint presentations. And this starts to really get into what a professor might do when he or she is um, starting to create podcasts of their particular lectures. Um, so basically what we can do, and part of this is shown um, in, the, in the demo and in the intro uh, movie that we'll show, um, it shows how that you can actually create a um, video of you speaking your particular uh, keynote or PowerPoint presentation. Next slide, please. So I'm going to go into now how to create a screencast. Next slide, please. So this is the old way. Next slide, please. And basically, you capture with a screen recording application. And the screen recording application will um, only capture normally a certain section of your uh, screen. So for example, it'll only capture, uh, you can define it to only capture, I don't know, the, the top left 512 by 512 area of your, of your screen. And then from there, you would then go on to, uh, next slide please using an additional application to help highlight areas of focus. So traditionally what folks would do at this point is they would take their screencast and dump it into Final Cut Pro or Final Cut Express or might even be iMovie um, or maybe Emotion and you might get uh, some, some other applications involved to be able to focus the viewer's attention on various areas of the screen that you just captured. So, for example, if you're doing a Word, um, you're showing how to use Word, you might do the raw capture using some capture utility. And then you'd end up with a QuickTime movie file that you'd then pull into Final Cut uh, Pro. And then you'd add all sorts of zoom effects, and you'd use the timeline to be able to do this, and so on and so forth. And then you would import into... Uh, 
Next slide, please. So you'd import into Final Cut or iMovie to do your editing. And finally, next slide, please, you would publish. Uh, one of the things that you, you would also probably do during this process is um, you might use a third-party tool while you were recording to be able to um, highlight areas of the screen. So, for example, there's a product called Mouse Pose um, that exists, and in this product, you're able to uh, change. You're able to highlight areas around your particular mouse on your screen, and your screen recording application would record that. Um, and so, this is the whole process that someone would go to. They would capture with a screen recording application. They would use something like Mouse Pose to be able to sh highlight areas while you're actually trying to record, and then you'd import the movie to Final Cut, and then you'd publish. Next slide, please. The new way, next slide please, uses ScreenFlow. With ScreenFlow, you capture, highlight, and edit all within ScreenFlow. And then, next slide, you just publish. So ScreenFlow allows you to capture your screencast. And then you're able to go into an editor and be able to highlight areas of your screencast within ScreenFlow. And then you just simply publish from within ScreenFlow. Next slide please. So let's go into depth on exactly how this works within ScreenFlow. <clears throat> a ScreenFlow is basically a complete screencasting studio application. So it, it rolls everything together that you used to have to try and do piecemeal into one application. It'll actually record your desktop, your video camera, your microphone, and your computer audio. And what I mean by computer audio is it will record your any sounds that are coming out. So if you're playing iTunes or um, a beep happened or something like that, ScreenFlow will capture that and make that um, part of the presentation. When you're done recording, um, you're thrown into an editing system. And the editing system allows you to modify uh, where the video camera might show on screen, uh, the volume of the microphone, um, where the desktop's going to show. Uh, maybe you want to zoom in and zoom out. And you can start editing these things. You can highlight areas of the screen. Um, for example, there's a way um, that you can do what's called a callout that allows you to highlight the area just around a mouse. And this is really important because it's being done in post. So during the recording process, uh, ScreenFlow actually records where the mouse is at all times. And during post, you're able to say, oh, actually, I want to show um, 400 pixels, a 400-pixel circle around the mouse at this particular point in time. And you're able to do that with ScreenFlow. And the last part of ScreenFlow is an export feature that allows you to export to um, QuickTime formats, so H.264 or any other um, Kodak uh, out there. And the next release of ScreenFlow 1.1, which will be coming out in the next couple of uh, weeks, we've actually added a whole bunch of very Apple-specific um, Kodak codecs. Um, so the ability to go directly to uh, Apple TV, iPhone, and also we have a lossless format now that makes it very easy to go to uh, Final Cut Pro. Next slide, please. So I'm going to go into some of the unique features that um, ScreenFlow has. One of the things that ScreenFlow has is an extremely powerful recording system. Um, we spent a very, very long time trying to get this right, and it's not a, a, an easy task to do. ScreenFlow is able to capture um, your full screen at 30 frames a second. 
Um, and it does this um, without either um, stressing your CPU or your disk. Um, you're actually able to play full-screen HD movies and record them with screen flow, and if you're on a laptop, for example, your fans won't fire up and start spinning at full speed. And the way that we do this is that we have an internal intermediate codec. So this is nothing, nothing you'd need to ship. There's no codec that needs to ship with ScreenFlow. It's how we store the screencast um, while we're recording. And this intermediate codec is uh, fully multi-threaded, 64-bit, and extremely um, tight compression. Um, we spent, as I said, an extremely long time making sure that this section uh, works solidly and works well. We also have um, an extremely high-quality image scaling algorithm. Um, because we're actually using the, the GPU, um, the GPU scaling uh, by default is not um, very pretty, let's just say. And generally when you're doing um, a screencast, you're going to be uh, recording something on screen which has text on it. And text is notorious for um, having all sorts of image scaling issues. So. As you look at how ScreenFlow works, um, you can see that, that you can move things around on screen, you can move them around in 3D and do all of this fancy stuff, and that's because we're using the GPU to do this. But one of the things that we have on the back end that allows us to do that is we have a very fancy um, scaling uh, algorithm, uh, which is optimized for screen-based content, and that allows us to um, use the GPU without having the fear of having scaling um, basically throw quality out the window. So the end result is that we have a very nice um, output that is legible even at um, internet-sized streaming. We have a built-in editing environment, and this editing environment is probably uh, most similar if people uh, are familiar with iMovie 06, has a very similar style to that. Um, it, we made extensive use of um, core animation to make it a little bit um, smoother uh, and prettier to look at, um, and, but it's basically the same sort of thing. You have a timeline that's sitting on the bottom and you're able to drop media into the timeline and um, edit the length and move things in and out and so on and so forth. It's suitable for being able to do both quick cuts and also uh, longer editing. And what I mean by quick cuts is if you're going to decide to dump the final product into um, Final Cut Pro, you may still want to do simple things like um, chop the front and end off, um, throw in a couple of call-outs, very simple stuff. Or if you're doing a very quick one-off uh, that you want to send to somebody really quickly, you're able to do really quick cuts. We also um, are able to do very long editing sessions. We've had people do um, hour and a half, two hour editing sessions with um, ScreenFlow. So their presentation was an hour and a half to two hours long. It's also very easy to add um, additional recordings into the movie. So for example, um, what you could do is you could record all of your um, screencasting in one shot without speaking at all. And then afterwards, um, you could play back your screencast and then speak along with it and add that recording um, as a second piece of audio into the presentation. And you can do all sorts of punch-ins and uh, uh, like that. <clears throat> um, as I mentioned before, um, ScreenFlow is Leopard only, so 10.5, and we uh, prefer 10.5.2 with all of the latest updates. 
and we make extensive use of Core Animation, uh, Quartz Composer, uh, Core Data, and, and the list goes on and on of all of the very special um, Macintosh uh, technologies that we use. Next page, please. So the next thing I'm going to do is uh, play the ScreenFlow introductory video. And this is uh, something that's available on our website. Um, and I want to show it here because it gives a broad, I've been talking a lot, and it gives a really broad overview of ScreenFlow um, and the various features that it has. Uh, what I want to say is it, very quickly at the beginning of the, of the, of the video, it does, it does inform you that everything was done within ScreenFlow. But I do want to stress that, that everything that, that you see in this little demo was done within ScreenFlow. The icons moving around the screen, the fades, the switches, um, uh, you know, drop shadows, um, uh, reflections, all of that stuff was done with ScreenFlow. The, the movie that you see is a direct export from ScreenFlow, and we use nothing else but ScreenFlow to do it. Uh, next page, which will run a video, please. Welcome to ScreenFlow, a screencasting studio application. This movie was created, edited, and exported using only ScreenFlow. Here's how to configure ScreenFlow to record everything. Launch ScreenFlow, record the computer audio, choose a microphone, select your camera, and you're ready to go. ScreenFlow's powerful recording subsystem can handle full-screen HD video. Computer audio and modern 3D game capture are also no problem for ScreenFlow. And when it's time to get to work, you can create perfect keynote or PowerPoint video presentations using ScreenFlow. ScreenFlow captures everything. Just start ScreenFlow, begin your presentation, and then speak your message directly to your viewers. Never before has it been this easy to create a video of your keynote or PowerPoint presentation. When you're done recording your screencast, it's time to edit. The instant you're done recording, you can scrub through your presentation. Although there are lots of features we could show you, we only have time for one. Notice the Finder window here in our recording. Well, ScreenFlow knows exactly where it is, so we can add a callout for the foreground window and adjust the opacity. We can even blur the background and something you've never seen before. You can zoom the foreground window. We'll add a slight animation, and here's the final result. Only in ScreenFlow. Download ScreenFlow today at www.varasoftware.com. Next screen, please. Um, I did. Uh I did, I did tell a slight fib in that I did create something in another application, and that is that I did create the, um, the soundtrack to that inside of GarageBand. But I exported it from GarageBand and dumped it into uh, ScreenFlow. <clears throat> Next screen, please. So using ScreenFlow, um, the cycle that you go through is you record, as you saw in the intro movie, um, and you select the various devices that you want to record from. And if you have multiple um, monitors uh, connected, you will be able to select between those various monitors. Next slide. Then you go into the editor, which you saw a little bit of in the um, intro movie, and we'll see a lot more in the, in the next movie that we'll look at. And it's here that you're able to um, add callouts and you're able to uh, make the, the, 
the the um, video move around screen and zoom in and zoom out and do all of that kind of stuff. Next screen. And then finally, you publish. And this is a very simple step that you basically choose your codec, um, choose your dimensions, and whether you want to use uh, motion blur or not, and then you export. Next slide, please. So to summarize, the new ways to screencast is you capture everything. You grab your entire screen and you crop later. Whereas in current um, screencasting uh, workflows, you have to sort of define before you start even screencasting where on screen you're going to have to uh, record. And the problem with this is that if you have a pop-up that pops up a little bit longer than you expect or a dialogue that pops up where you don't expect it, you have to stop your uh, recording and start over again. And with ScreenFlow, you don't do that. You just grab everything at one shot, and then later you can crop up your, you can chop up your screen and crop and do that, do all of those types of things. Um, you zoom, you can do zooming and panning within ScreenFlow. So, for example, um, you can, and we'll see this in the in the in the next movie. You can you can zoom in on a particular area of the window and do sort of a Ken Burns type effect and use what's called a video action to then slide the screen over and look at a different area of the window. And we saw a little bit of that in the um, in the uh, intro movie as well. You're also able to highlight your mouse pointer or the foreground window when you're editing. And this is something that you just saw in the intro movie. Um, ScreenFlow automatically records the location of all of your foreground windows. And so, for example, in the intro movie, uh, there was a uh, finder window that was available. And so ScreenFlow noticed where it was. And within a couple of clicks, you were able to focus the, the, uh, the viewer's attention on that particular um, window uh, by doing things like blurring the background, making the background opaque, um, and uh, more or less opaque, and um, being able to zoom up that window. Um, to do these kinds of effects within something like Final Cut, it's possible to do, but the amount of time and effort um, to make a quality-looking presentation is, 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 is quite extensive. And within ScreenFlow, we're talking about a couple of clicks to be able to do these very common features. So think of it like an iMovie sort of uh, application that's built for screencasting. Um, and the other thing that you can do with uh, ScreenFlow that uh, most other screencasting applications do not have is that you can export as many times as you like into various uh, formats. So you may spend some time trying to figure out the exact codec that you want, um, or you may want to uh, change your codec settings based upon the fact that you've got some users that are watching your presentation over a um, very small pipe to the Internet and other users that are watching it from a very, very fat pipe. So you may actually want to export two times and allow your users to uh, view them uh, depending upon their size of their Internet connection. And um, this is very difficult to do today in most screencasting um, applications. Basically, the only resort that you have, the only thing that you can do is you can export to a uh, lossless type format such as Apple Animation, and then later re-export um, using uh, QuickTime Pro or Final Cut or whatever uh, your choice um, final exporting is. Next page, please. 
So now we're going to play a rather lengthy um, demonstration. And at the beginning of the demonstration, I talk a, lo a lot about um, the, the efficiency and power of screen flow. Um, and it's kind of confusing, and I might have to answer some of this in the Q&A, so I spent a little time talking about what I was actually doing. It's a little bit hard to get your head around because what I'm doing is I'm recording screen flow while recording screen flow. Um, so it's kind of confusing to, 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 to understand exactly how it's working, and that's why I spent a little time in the beginning talking about it and showing you the terminal interface um, and how that's done. Um, go ahead and show that. Uh, go to the next slide for that movie, please. In this presentation, I'm going to be doing some in-depth look inside of ScreenFlow and how to use ScreenFlow to achieve various effects. To do this, I'm going to be using ScreenFlow to record itself. Um, so this is somewhat important to take home uh, from this presentation, is the performance of ScreenFlow. Right now I'm actually recording and I've got the activity monitor up and I'm going to leave the activity monitor up through most of this presentation so you can take a look and see where the stress is occurring in terms of the CPU. I've started the recorder uh, through the command line interface and ScreenFlow's recording system actually can be run from the terminal. Um, and that's how I'm going to achieve uh, recording ScreenFlow while actually using ScreenFlow. So one of the important things is when I start recording, watch that activity monitor and, and see that I'm actually recording two times. Uh, one is the background recording that's recording this whole presentation and the second is the actual recording that I'm making the document with. So I'm going to hide the terminal window now and I'm going to launch ScreenFlow and we'll take a look at some of the options that we have. You're able to record the computer audio and the computer audio is anything that comes out of your speakers. So this would be, if you were playing iTunes, um, this would be the music that was coming out of your speakers. If you were playing a game, it would be the music that the game was, or the sounds that the game was generating. You can also record any microphone. In this case, I'm going to be recording from the blue snowball that I've got here. And you can also record from any camera that you've got connected. And in this case, I'm going to be recording from the iSight. Notice that right now there's a little bit of a um, out of sync issue, and that's only um, due to the fact of me recording while recording this little setup dialog. Normally, you wouldn't even notice that there was a little bit of a lag. And when we actually go and see the final result, there will be no out of sync issues whatsoever. So I'm going to start recording now, and then we're going to go in and have a look at um, using Safari and creating a document. So there's a little countdown, and when the countdown's finished, now I'm recording. So everything I'm doing right now is being recorded two times. It's being recorded by the background process that I started inside the terminal, and it's also being recorded via ScreenFlow, the application. So it's been recording two times, and we can see that the performance is still quite good. I can open up a window, I can scrub it around, and we don't start fans running or anything like that. So I'm going to go into my presentation, and this would be as if I was describing how to use Google Maps to someone who didn't know how to use it. Let's say we wanted to find a pizza joint somewhere near um, Apple. So one infinite loop <clears throat> in Cupertino and we will search for that. So here is infinite loop 
And then we're going to find by businesses, and we're going to find a pizza joint. Happen to know there's a couple nearby. Some nice ones nearby. And what I'm going to do is just zoom in here a little bit so we can see the closest one, which I believe is the Chicago Pizza and Brewery, right nearby. So at this point, I might want to step back and speak to my users a little bit about Google. And notice now I'm making eye contact by looking directly at the eyesight, whereas before I was looking elsewhere. Um, we're going to use this to our advantage as part of the editing process. <clears throat> so now I'm going to finish my editing, my, my presentation, and I'm going to stop recording with ScreenFlow um, itself, even though the background process is still running, which is how I'm actually showing this demonstration. So I've stopped recording now, and we're dumped into the ScreenFlow editing system. On the very top left of the screen is the preview area, and we can see the desktop and we can see my video. ScreenFlow, by default, puts the video down to the bottom right, but we can move it anywhere we want, and we can scale it in size. Um, we could actually rotate it around if we wanted to. Um, it also, um, default by default, puts a little drop shadow on it, which we could turn on or off. But let's play the presentation and see what it looks like. Now I'm recording. So everything I'm doing right now is being recorded two times. It's being recorded by the background process that I started inside the terminal, and it's also being recorded via ScreenFlow, the application. So, Okay, so that's just to show that the recording went well. Um, everything seemed to be just fine. And I'm going to kind of skip ahead and scrub through here in my timeline. And notice I'm talking about this. As I'm talking, um, I'm kind of looking around my screen, which is not very interesting. So my plan of attack here in terms of my editing is that I want to show myself and hide myself uh, based upon where I want the user's attention to be focused. And this is probably also going to be related to where whether I'm actually focused on the user or not. In the beginning of the presentation, I'm speaking directly to you. So that's pretty nice. So what I'm going to do in the beginning of the presentation is I'm going to center myself and I'm going to scale myself up. Okay. Um, I could actually scale myself up to take up the full screen. Why don't I just go ahead and do that? So now the presentation starts off with me talking directly to you. Now I'm recording. So everything I'm doing right now is being recorded two times. It's being recorded by the background process that I started inside the terminal, and it's also being recorded via ScreenFlow, the application. So it's been recording two times, and we can see that the performance is still quite good. I can open up a window. Okay, so right here, I'm starting to talk about performance. So it'd be really nice to then um, take a look at what the performance is. What we're going to do to start showing a little bit more is to move things around the screen, but move them dynamically, move them as the presentation is occurring. And the way that we do this is by creating a video action. So at about this point in the, in the presentation, I start to talk about performance. So we want to see the activity monitor. So we want to get my um, image out of the way and start looking at something else. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a video action. So all I did was click on the built-in eyesight and then click on add video action. An action is created down here. I'm going to grow it out a little bit just so we can take a look at it. An action has a left side and a right side. 
So on the left side, there's a set of properties, and on the right side, there's a set of properties. And the middle, in between those two properties, we actually do a transition between what, whatever changes have been made between the two sets of properties. So let's make that a little bit more specific. I'm going to scale this back down. At this point, the left side still stays full screen. The right side is down now at 56%. As I scrub through this area, I can see that it actually is changing the size as I scrub through it. So if I play it, it's actually going to shrink it down. And we can see that the performance is still quite good. I can open up a window. Now I didn't want it to be in the center anymore. I actually want it to be down in the lower left hand corner. So I just move it there. So now the left hand side is centered and large. And on the right hand side of this video action, it is now small and to the left. And I can actually even make it a little bit smaller and get us out of the way. I could also change the opacity. So let's take a look at what that looks like now. Recording two times, and we can see that the performance is still quite good. I can open up a window, I can scrub it around, and we don't start fans running or anything like that. Okay, so that was a bit of our preamble. Let's now take a look at, I'm going to scrub through and take a look at when we start talking about Google Maps. Um, I'm going to insert another video action just to clean up the opacity and grow myself a little bit larger in size. So I click on the eyesight because that's where I want to add the action. I, that's the clip I want to add the action to. And then I add a video action. And then I grow the video of myself up a little bit. And I increase the opacity to 100%. At this point, we can play through and have a look at how to use like. Google Maps, Maps to someone who didn't know how to use it. Let's say we want to... So I actually want that to happen a little bit earlier in the presentation. So I'll move to where I want that to happen. That's about there. That works. And this would be as if I was describing how to use Google Maps, Maps to someone who didn't know how to use it. Let's say we wanted to find a pizza joint somewhere near um, Apple. Okay, now it's at this point that I start to actually go and do some work. So there's no point in seeing my face anymore. So we're going to remove me from the screen. So I'm going to add another video action. And I'm just going to move myself off screen here. So let's see what that looks like. Here, um, Apple. So one infinite loop. Now another thing that we want to do at this point is we want to take a good look at this one infinite loop that we're typing. Okay, so I'm going to do that. Well, there's a whole bunch of ways that I can do that, but I'm going to do that by zooming in on this particular area of the screen. So I want to zoom in right when I start typing, which is right at about here. So I select the screen recording, and then I add a video action to that screen recording. And then I'll zoom up to about 170% or so and move the window over. Probably a little bit less. 160. There we go. Now what this does is we're going to see two actions occurring at the same time. I'm going to be moving to the left while we start Near, zooming um, into Apple. Google Maps. So one infinite loop. 
<clears throat> in Cupertino and we will search for that. At this point we now want to zoom back out again so I'll do the same thing. I'll add a video action to the screen recording and I will zoom back out to 100% and recenter. Let's take a look at that. So here is Infinite Loop. And then we're going to find Buy Businesses and we're going to find a Pizza Joint. Happen to know there's a couple nearby. Now I could do the same thing. I could zoom back in again to show us typing in pizza. And I'll just do that really quickly. And it's the same process. I click on screen recording, add video action, 160%. a pizza joint. Happen to know there's a couple nearby. And I want to pop back out here. 100%. And there we go. Some nice ones nearby. And what I'm going to do is just zoom in here a little bit so we can see the closest one, which I believe is the Chicago pizza and brewery right nearby. So at this point I might want to step back. It's right here that I start speaking again to the to the user or to the viewer of this particular presentation. So I'm going to do a little bit different of an effect this time. Um, I'm going to bring in um, the video of myself again um, and so I want to see where that is so I see where that is and I'm going to add a video action to do that and I'm going to bring it in here and I'm going to grow it up to a larger size let's say 100% 88% or so and now I'm going to turn off the shadow and turn on reflection and I'm going to now do the same thing same sort of actions to the screen recording so at the same place in time I'm going to add a video action and but this time I'm going to reduce the size and I'm going to move it over to the right and I'm going to turn on reflection. Probably should turn it, bump up the reflection on this one a little bit. I'm going to also angle these a little bit. I can turn angle these around a little bit. I'm going to probably put it at about 20 percent and then put the screen recording at negative 20%. And I probably do want to shrink myself down. And now I'm just sort of I'm I'm playing here. I'm playing with the look and the feel of this particular presentation. There we go. That's an I probably want to grow myself up a little bit. Just so we almost get the same size, probably scale this down a little bit like this. There we go. At this point we now can look at how this transition is going to look. At this point I might want to step back and speak to my users a little bit about Google and, and I'm going to make that transition last a little bit longer so it's not so um, abrupt. 
Let's take a look at that. So at this point, I might want to step back and speak to my users a little bit about Google. You notice now I'm making eye contact by looking directly at the eyesight, whereas before I was looking elsewhere. Um, we're going to use this to our advantage as part of the editing process. <clears throat> so now I'm going to finish my editing, my, my presentation, and I'm going to stop recording with ScreenFlow um, itself, even though the background process is still running, which is how I'm actually showing this demonstration. All right, so that's my presentation that I've built. I'm going to do an export now, and um, I'm going to then show you the quality of the result. So let's do an export. In the export screen, we have um, a bunch of presets, and um, I'm actually running a beta version here, so there's a couple of more presets that aren't in the shipping version. But I'm going to use the web high quality, and I'm going to actually customize it just a little bit because I would like to have a little bit higher um, data rate. So I'm going to set the data rate to 1000. And then I'm going to, I want the size, sure, at 50%. And that's all I'm going to do. So I'm going to export now to the desktop and I'll probably cut this out of the final edit so we don't wait for the whole export. Okay, so the export's completed now, and we're going to go take a look and see what it looks like. I'm going to head to the desktop. And here it is. And we'll just play it through. Now I'm recording. So everything I'm doing right now is being recorded two times. It's being recorded by the background process that I started inside the terminal, and it's also being recorded via ScreenFlow, the application. So it's been recording two times, and we can see that the performance is still quite good. I can open up a window, I can scrub it around, and we don't start fans running or anything like that. So I'm going to go into my presentation, <clears throat> and this would be as if I was describing how to use Google Maps to someone who didn't know how to use it. Let's say we wanted to find a pizza joint somewhere near um, Apple. So one infinite loop. <clears throat> in Cupertino and we will search for that. So here is infinite loop and then we're going to find by businesses and we're going to find a pizza joint. Happen to know there's a couple nearby. Some nice ones nearby and what I'm going to do is just zoom in here a little bit so we can see the closest one, which I believe is the Chicago Pizza and Brewery, right nearby. So at this point, I might want to step back and speak to my users a little bit about Google. And notice now I'm making eye contact by looking directly at the eyesight, whereas before I was looking elsewhere. Um, we're going to use this to our advantage as part of the editing process. <clears throat> so now I'm going to finish my editing my, my presentation, and I'm going to stop recording with ScreenFlow um, itself, even though the background process is still running, which is how I'm actually showing this demonstration. So that's the quality of the movie out the back end of ScreenFlow. The last thing I want to talk about is that a major difference between ScreenFlow and every other screencasting application available on any platform. In 
traditional screencasting applications, you have to define an area of the screen that you want to record from, or you define that you want to record a certain area around the mouse. The reason that most applications require that you do this is they simply cannot provide uh, full screen 30 frames per second recording as ScreenFlow can do. So over the years, people have become accustomed to the fact that you define an area of the screen and then re-record that. Within ScreenFlow, you don't have to do that anymore. And it's a new way of looking at how to use and how to create screencasts. And so this is a specific design decision on our part. So what I wanted to show is I wanted to show you how to do a global crop within ScreenFlow, which is the equivalent of defining an area of the screen in a traditional screencasting application. And I'm going to use the tutorial document inside of ScreenFlow, which is available from the help menu to do that. Since ScreenFlow records everything, um, what we need to do is provide some way for a user to very quickly be able to crop, up, crop the, the screen afterwards. And we do this in a non-destructive way. This button is the key to doing a global crop. So we can resize the canvas area with it. Let's say I wanted to resize to 512 by 512. And I'm going to make it so that we're looking at the top of the screen. And I'm going to apply this. Now if I were to go to export, we'll notice that I can export at 100%. And that will be 512 by 512 exactly. <clears throat> and if I play the presentation, then I see only this area of the screen. I'm actually going to zoom this up a little bit and reduce it down just a little bit so we can see what's happening. So this is our 512 by 512 and it shows our finder window opening and now notice we've hopped over a little bit here. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to add a video action, recenter the window, and scale it down a little bit. <clears throat> scale it back up a little bit. And center it. And there we go. So now we have solved the problem of not only how to crop, but how to move around inside that crop. Our our global canvas is at 512 by 512. We're not restricted to stay at that 512 by 512 up in the upper left-hand corner. We can use a video action to actually move around. And not just move around, but grow and shrink and change and do all of the things that we can do normally with ScreenFlow. This elegantly solves the problem of, what if a dialogue pops up outside of the area that I've predefined inside of my recording application? Well, within ScreenFlow, there is no predefined area. So there's no worry about where pop-ups show up or where a dialogue pops up. And that really is the raw power of ScreenFlow. Okay, go, <clears throat> go to the next page, please. So that was a very um, in-depth um, uh, expose of showing, of showing, uh, showing how to use ScreenFlow um, to do a complete task from beginning to end. Um, something like that within Final Cut Pro, um, and this is not to denigrate Final Cut Pro, Final Cut Pro is absolutely amazing. You can do all sorts of things with it, but it's not tailored to doing screencasts. 
And to do something like this inside of Final Cut Pro, what we just spent about 15 uh, minutes doing there, um, would have taken us hours to do, to try and get uh, to nail it down to look as pretty um, as we do within ScreenFlow. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about the um, back end um, of ScreenFlow and publishing. Um, YouTube uh, can accept uh, QuickTime content, so we can um, today go directly to YouTube. Well, directly you export to disk, and then you upload your uh, final uh, presentation up to YouTube. Um, version 1.1, which I said will be coming out in a couple of weeks, um, has uh, presets to go to Apple TV, iPod, and iPhone. Um, you can actually do that today with the current shipping version. You just have to um, uh, play around with the codec settings a lot, and we've uh, made it a very easy way to do that now. Um, and you can also go to Podcast Producer um, by uh, submitting the ScreenFlow-generated content right into uh, the system. And so one of the questions I, ha I would have for, for you guys is how um, we'd like to s how, how the integration uh, between um, ScreenFlow and Podcast Producer can be um, tightened, how that workflow can be eased. Next page, please. Uh, for more information about um, ScreenFlow or any of our products, you can go to varasoftware.com. And there, for ScreenFlow, there is a free evaluation download, and the only restriction is that it's watermarked. Um, so the uh, output will have the words uh, ScreenFlow demo on it. And please do let us know how you're using ScreenFlow, because the feedback that we get, we actually, um, all of our updates are driven by user feedback there. Um, all the updates we've done so far, and for most of our products, they're, they're driven by user feedback. So do let us know. Um, via our support um, from our website, how, um, how you're using ScreenFlow and how you'd like to use it differently. Because coming from, uh, for example, an educator's point of view, you're going to see things differently than we see them. And with a generic tool like this, it's really important for us to hear back from people who are trying to use it in the field. And do also check out the evaluation versions of our other products. Um, Wirecast, I said, is the TV studio um, application. And VideoQ, which is uh, for personal video blogging, um, you can use that. And you can also use it as a teleprompter in um, schools. Next page, please. So I'm going to turn it back to Scott, um, who is going to uh, drive the Q&A. Thank you, Paul. Uh, I just want to remind our viewers that there's still time to uh, chat their questions to me in the studio and uh, have Paul answer them. Uh, but we do have quite a few in the queue already. Uh, Paul, just as a point of reference, when, when we saw that last demo, which was in essence a capture of a capture, uh, what, uh, what sort of Mac was that running on? If you looked at the activity monitors, I don't think I ever saw it go past 50%. What, what kind of machine was that actually being done on? That was done on my laptop. It's a MacBook Pro. It's one of the first generation 17-inch MacBook Pros. So the um, um, the uh, 2.33 gigahertz one, Core Duo. I do have four gigabytes of RAM in it, but um, that's that's not uh, that's not going to make that big of a difference in terms of the performance. Um, I meant to play a movie actually while doing the double recording. I just forgot to do that. Um, but I can I can say that it does not um, kill your CPU nor your disk. And a lot of other um, applications, they, I have a feeling that you're going to see more applications coming that can do similar things to ScreenFlow. And what I, what I ask you to do is watch the CPU and the disk usage, uh, because you're going to see some applications come out that um, give up uh, on disk 
because that's the cheapest thing to give up on. And so basically your disc is going to start um, making all sorts of rattling noises, especially on a 5400 RPM uh, laptop disc. Um, so performance is something that's really important to us um, because what it does is it allows us to make an application like ScreenFlow really easy to use. If it wasn't for the, the fact that we could record everything at full speed, um, we wouldn't be able to do all of the things we do within the editor. So it's the, t the technology really sort of drives the elegant use of the application, and that, in my opinion, is the way it should be. Okay, and uh, before we get to the user questions, one, one more sort of general comment. What, uh, what is the price of ScreenFlow and for educators? Is there a discount? And what about sort of uh, larger institutional or organizational licensing structures? What, what does that look like right now? Um, we, ScreenFlow is um, available from our website for um, $99 um, retail. And there is a slight educational uh, discount. Okay. Um, so I, I think the uh, the most popular question, uh, given the, the number of requests coming in, um, is support for exporting to Flash. Uh, what's the current situation? Maybe what are you thinking in the future? And then you could probably make some comments, or I could, around uh, that might be an opportunity for... Um, some third-party applications, but uh, that's that's a very popular request. Export to Flash. Uh, comments on that? We 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 have that on our sites. Um, I cannot guarantee when we're going to do that, but it's something that we are extremely interested in doing. Um, there's 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 a definite cost to doing it, um, and then there's a time to doing it. Um, and so we're working very closely um, with the Flash guys to be able to do this. Um, and it's just going to take us a little bit of time to um, get that out into the wild. In the meantime, there are other tools that can do it, uh, that can take the QuickTime export and move them into a Flash format. Um, I don't know if I should be mentioning other products. Um, so, Scott, if you have uh, some favorites that you wanted to mention, go for it. Well, I, I don't have any uh, favorites. I have one that I know of. Uh, which uh, the third-party application uh, developer is Telestream, uh, and I think they've got a couple of products that will do that. What uh, other ones that do you know of, Paul? Uh, Visual Hub is used a lot. Uh, a lot of folks use Visual Hub, um, and I'm for some reason I'm blanking on the name of the uh, of the of the of the publisher of that <clears throat> application. Okay, um, but I I think there's there's uh, obviously some solutions in the market today, but it sounds like you guys are. Uh, aware of, of the, the popularity of that request. Um, so let's see. Let me go back to the, the top here. Um, there's a couple of very specific questions, and I think what I'll do with those, Paul, is we'll, we'll provide the questions to you, and maybe you can uh, give us a, a, uh, an answer in text form, and we can uh, post that on the Mac Learning site, or maybe you might create a fact uh, on your site. Um, people obviously are using the product and want some very specific sort of settings information, and I think those might be better handled offline. Um, okay. So another very popular request, uh, and I don't know if this is in the product today, but uh, people are looking for a, a way to use uh, text callout. So you might want to highlight something that's on the screen 
um, using a text balloon or, or some other method. Is that supported today or is that a, a feature request? It's a feature request. Um, and we really wanted to put that into version 1.0, but we uh, simply ran out of time. Um, and so it is something that is in our sites, uh, again, and we're looking to do it. In the meantime, you can actually drop um, PNG files uh, that you've created in any other uh, application or any any QuickTime file, actually. I'm not sure if we uh, describe that. You can drop MP3 movies. You could drop um, any any other kind of movie on, on, onto the ScreenFlow uh, timeline. But specifically in terms of text or arrows or things like that, if you've got a, a PNG of an arrow that's got an alpha channel uh, in it, you can just drop it right in. You can rotate it around. You can point it at things. And you could actually write text in another application and drop it in. It's not the most elegant solution. Um, but um, basically the arrows... <laughs> the arrow type of callout. So that's effectively what we're going to do is we're going to drop in a high-quality uh, PDF into the application for you, and you'll have to rotate it around and point it where you want to go. Um, so the only thing that's really missing is, is the ability to have text with maybe bubbles around them and stuff like that, and we are keen to do that as well. So uh, related to bringing in um, media elements produced outside of ScreenFlow, uh, one of the viewers, I, I think, is asking why you use GarageBand for the voiceover in the first demo, but to clarify, you actually use GarageBand to create the soundtrack, the voice in the first demo, uh, actually you captured that using ScreenFlow, is, is that true? That's correct, that's correct. I, I created the, um, the music using GarageBand, uh, so I wanted to give props to that because it was the first time I'd ever used GarageBand to create music. Um, and I was very, I had a lot of fun doing that actually. Um, so I was actually the, the person who produced and created that video as well, as you could tell from the voice. Um, but all of the voice capture, all of the, um, um, all of the video capture, all of the screen capture, that was all done with ScreenFlow. And how many tracks will ScreenFlow support uh, as you import different elements? So you've got the screen capture, you've got um, the, the web camera. How many... Um, uh, elements would you actually see in the timeline to, to manipulate and add effects to? Can you talk a little bit about that? It's unlimited today um, it, in terms of how many you can actually have. Um, in ScreenFlow version 1.0, um, we don't allow you to move the uh, timeline up and down, so you can't grow and show more of the timeline hor uh, vertically. So although you can add as many tracks uh, as, you, as you'd like, you are somewhat limited in that you have to use a scroll bar to switch uh, to go back and forth between them. We've uh, removed that in version 1.1, which, which I said, again, will be shipping soon. Um, and uh, so you're able to grow the timeline able, uh, area vertically and be able to th show three, four, five, six tracks. Um, and you still have this, uh, the scroll bar, so you can scroll if you want to have, you know, ten tracks or something like that. But there's no, as far as I'm aware, there's no uh, limit um, in terms of the compositing system on how many we can stack on top of each other. I'm sure some um, very crazy person will go out there and try and add 300 or 500 and send in a uh, uh, request to make that, <laughs> to solve any issues that, that, might, uh, that might cause. But uh, we've done it up to 20 and haven't had any issues. <clears throat> okay. And the demonstration in the second uh, demo, you added reflection to uh, both elements, meaning the screen recording and, and the eyesight. Uh, but, but obviously, you can add reflection just to one or both or three, whatever you have. Is that correct? Correct. You, you click on the, on, the, on the clip, on the, on the object uh, the, uh, in the preview area, and then you just check the uh, reflection button. Uh, and you can change how much of reflection you want. So that's per, actually, it's per clip. 
Um, so if you had chopped up your, your um, clip into several different clips, you can actually assign that per clip. Okay. And uh, the demonstrations that we saw, the, the captures all happened synchronously, and, and you created uh, the various tracks uh, basically in, in parallel. A viewer is wondering uh, if you could elaborate a bit on how you might do that asynchronously, meaning you might do the screen capture first, then go over and do the, uh, the talking to the, the webcam piece later. How, how does that work? Um, inside of ScreenFlow, under the file menu, there's a um, menu item called Add Additional Recording. Um, and if you select that, you're able to choose, for example, only the microphone. Um, <clears throat> when you first create a screencast, it has to record uh, your desktop to give it sort of a, a global canvas. Okay. But when you want to add an additional um, recording, you can actually say, I just want to record my microphone. Now. Today, what you'd, what you'd do is you'd uh, move the scrubber to where you want to do your, your punch-in, and then you'd start recording, and then just press play inside of ScreenFlow. And then you speak along to ScreenFlow as it's playing, and it records your microphone, and when you're done, you stop your recording, and then your new recording will be a new clip that you can drop right into your timeline. And on a, there's actually a screencast on how to do that on our website. If you go to varasoftware.com, um, ScreenFlow screencasts, um, or just drive through to ScreenFlow and look for the screencast button, um, <clears throat> you can look at the uh, various um, screencasts that we've got there, and we've actually got one that shows you how to do that. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. Um, I want to remind our viewers that uh, there will be an archive made available of this webcast. I, I think uh, there might have been some technical issues uh, for some folks, given the, the questions are, I think, addressing some things that you actually showed in the demo movie. So I apologize if you had some technical difficulties and couldn't actually see the demo uh, clearly. Uh, but within two weeks, we will have the archive made available at maclearning.org in, in our iTunes U um, distribution channel, um, kindly hosted for us by Duke University. Um, for instance, you, you showed how you can move the, uh, the video of the talking head off to the side and, and do all those sorts of things, which is one of the questions. But something we haven't talked about yet, and I'm sure it's uh, a very important consideration for educators, is uh, can you add or import closed captioning uh, today? And if not, what, uh, what are your thoughts uh, moving forward? Uh, we don't have that as a um, feature today. It's definitely something that's on our list of things to do. We actually put something uh, like that into uh, video queue. <clears throat> I know we're talking about uh, screen flow here, uh, but the interesting thing about video queue, uh, being a teleprompter, is you actually have the text available to put in. So we actually put that text right into the um, output. Inside of ScreenFlow, we would actually have to have some way of dropping the text in so that we could then associate it with um, uh, uh, different times inside of the timeline. Now, one of the things that we're actually going to be doing is adding um, chapters into ScreenFlow in the very near future. Um, and with chapters, Again, it's not really um, uh, closed captioning, but it is, uh, we're starting to go down the direction of adding metadata into the um, QuickTime output. And of course, the, the end game of metadata is, for an educator would be being able to add um, uh, closed captioning. So it's something that's on our radar. Um, I'm not sure exactly when we're going to be able to get to it, but we are pushing down the metadata um, route inside of ScreenFlow, so eventually we should get to it. 
Okay. Well, in, in your answer, you actually addressed a couple of, of other very popular questions, which was a request to add chapters if you can't do that already. Um, and then uh, the, the sort of generic question about what metadata uh, you can handle. So uh, I guess the, the short answer is stay tuned. Uh, Vera right. Software is, is thinking about those things very closely. Uh, let's see. So is there a way to pause a recording and then uh, basically start it again? And sort of related to that, uh, is there a way to stitch together two screen flow recordings within the application itself with, with a, a nice, graceful transition between the, the stitch? Okay. Um, in terms of us, well, the answer to both is, is not today. Um, and we are, of course, looking to, um, to add both of these, uh, both of these features um, as we go forward. In terms of um, stitching, you are able to do transitions between clips. So if you do have an additional recording, um, you could drop that recording into the ScreenFlow timeline and do a crossfade or do a fade through black or um, any of those types of things. So there are, um, there are ways to accomplish those, those kinds of tasks within ScreenFlow, but we are going to be um, trying to make that easier and easier as we go forward. One of the things not to, to try not to forget is that this is a version 1.0 product, um, and we... Um, we, we have all sorts of wonderful ideas on what we want to do um, to it, and we just need uh, the time to uh, get our, uh, all our ducks in a row and get, them, get those features in and out to you. A uh, question regarding have you tried uh, capturing uh, the screen while running Windows with uh, something like Parallels or VMware? We've actually done both, um, and ScreenFlow uh, in our tests with um, Parallels uh, seem to do just fine with it. Um, one of the interesting things, um, well, it, it, when, when Parallels is in concurrence mode, we'll actually pull out the foreground windows. When it's not in concurrence mode, we, we're not able to do that because the windows are inside of um, uh, Windows. Um, <clears throat> And with VMware, we haven't actually run it ourselves, but we have um, heard back from some of our users and beta testers that it runs just fine. And in fact, we have one user who um, has started to use ScreenFlow to do his Windows screencasting because ScreenFlow actually does a better job at capturing video under Windows than native Windows um, screencasting applications. So the most popular um, screencasting application on Windows um, I'm not going to mention the name, but ScreenFlow actually does a better job at doing full screen recording of video than, um, than the native version under Windows does. So under an emulator, uh, we're actually doing better than uh, native applications. So it does run. Um, we, there may be issues with it. If there are, contact us. We don't have any outstanding issues with it, but do let us know if you start using it and you run into anything. All right. Get more evidence that you only need a Mac these days. You run everything. Uh, let's see. So uh, a viewer gave us the name for the Visual Hub um, application, and the name of the company is Techspansion. Just uh, a data point there, thanks to the viewer. And let's see. Does ScreenFlow put the EyeSight camera image in a window on the desktop, or is that done by something else? Not sure. The, the, image is, the image is recorded, um, and you don't see it. So that, that was actually a little bit of a strange part of the, of the demonstration is that 
I started talking about how I was looking into the camera, and I wasn't actually, I mean, you could actually, couldn't actually see me on screen. So when you're recording from the eyesight, you don't actually see yourself recording, which I actually prefer because I get distracted when I see myself. Um, and we can't actually show it on the main screen because we're actually recording from the main screen. So what ScreenFlow does is it actually records the, the video um, along with the desktop and puts that all to disk in, um, in a file. And then it's later during the editing process that you're able to place that on screen and move it around and grow it and shrink it like I was showing in the demo. And uh, we've mentioned several uh, file formats that are supported, uh, MP3, PNG, PDF. Uh, viewer wants to know what other file formats can be dropped on the timeline, and I'm guessing the short answer is anything that uh, QuickTime supports natively. Is, is there anything outside the QuickTime universe, or are you basically leveraging that through Mac OS X? Exactly. It's, it's QuickTime uh, today. Um, and the only caveat to that is that some very old, I believe it's uh, AVI files, um, I believe that we may not be able to play the sound on very, very old AVI files um, that QuickTime can do. So I think that's the only caveat. Other than that, I think it's anything that um, QuickTime will play, um, including, I believe, uh, Quartz Composer files, et cetera. Okay. Uh, can you change the aspect ratio of a cropped area within uh, the screen as part of the presentation? So in other words, if you started out um, as a 640 by 480, can you midway through that go to a 800 by 480 file? Um, I'm today uh, we only the, the actual output that we get. So the QuickTime file format um, is one uh, aspect ratio. Uh, so <clears throat> I'm not actually aware of you being able to change that on the fly within a codec. Um, so. Um, if you want to change the aspect ratio of inside of ScreenFlow, you want to change how your um, uh, screen looks or how your video is the aspect ratio of that, you can do that. You can actually grab the handle on the edge and change the aspect ratio. But the final aspect ratio is one size, or the final actual resolution is one size. So when you choose to export, you export to one specific size, um, so, so for 800 by 600. But inside of ScreenFlow, you can actually change uh, the size of your um, of your objects and the size of your uh, your video or your desktop. Okay. Um, any support for iTunes U, um, particularly uh, metadata being entered into the screencast file uh, for uploading in iTunes U? Any any information around that? Okay. We. <clears throat> We would love to add something to this. Would be something where we where we'd like to hear some feedback on exactly what kind of metadata that we could that we could put into the um, QuickTime file, uh, perhaps as a separate track or as annotation data or something like that that, that we could put into the QuickTime movie, so that um, uh, a tool such as that could uh, bring it into the system a lot easier. Um, we don't actually do that yet today. Um, I would envision it would be another dialogue or something like that to be able to to uh, pull that information and push it down the pipe. Okay. And uh, how many video sources does ScreenFlow support? Uh, examples might be a document camera attached to the computer uh, or, or even a uh, um, you know, standard video camera as, as an input source. So you might have a camera operator. What, what does that support look like? To, today you can record from one type of device at a time. Um, so you could record uh, your... Um, Computer audio, which is considered a device, 
Uh, you can record a microphone. You can record a camera. That could be a USB camera, a, um, a, um, a DV camera, um, an HDV camera if you have it in DV mode, um, and, uh, of course, the screen. Um, you could choose which screen you're recording. And you can only record, as I said, one, uh, one of each type of device at a time. But you can go back later and record, re-record, um, for example, from a second camera or record from a second monitor or record again from the same monitor or record again from a, from a different microphone. But today, inside of ScreenFlow, if you were doing, um, for example, an interview and had two microphones, you would have to use an external mixer um, or you would have to re-record uh, the second piece of audio. I think that's, that's probably what the, 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 the question is about. Yep. Okay, and uh, our last question here is um, users suggesting that the export function seems to have two places uh, to set size ratio. Uh, I'm not, not sure I haven't... Uh, gotten this deep into the application yet, but it says compressor settings and export dialog, um, where you can set size ratio, which one or, or, or do both actually have effect? Um, I, would, I, would, I would say use the one that's within ScreenFlow, within the ScreenFlow export dialog. Um, what you can do within, within the actual compressors you can, is you can override um, a particular setting. And I believe that, uh, I'm not the best person to answer this question, but I believe that we will actually override the override. But what I would do is I would leave the internal um, uh, codex setting alone, I'll leave it to be native. Um, I believe that's, that's, the, that's the word that they use in that. And then only change the aspect ratio or the size inside of the ScreenFlow export dialog. All right, great. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Uh, truly an amazing application, and it sounds like it's, uh, it's only going to get better. Um, I, I look uh, forward to, I think, MacLearning.org uh, has some um, potential to, to, to work with you guys in terms of maybe podcast producer and, and some other things. So we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. Again, I just want to thank you for your time, and uh, thanks to the viewers for joining us today on our webcast. Uh, stay tuned for information about next month's webcast. Again, it's always the third Tuesday and fourth Wednesday of the month. Uh, check out macenterprise.org, maclearning.org, and macresearch.org. Thanks again, and see you next month.